All right. Okay. So this morning's speaker is Dixie. All right. So come on up. We'll pray for you here. All right. God, thank you very, very much for Dixie. And uh, thank you for the way she does lead by example. And uh, thank you for her heart for you. And uh, Holy Spirit, just, I just ask that that would be free to, uh, to come out as she talks this morning. And give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mark. <clears throat> and thank you, worship team, for that beautiful worship. I'm glad it wasn't just before I was ready to speak because I was crying during that rain, that song, Come, Sweet Rain, the rain, it always makes me cry. Anyway, today I've titled my message, Sharing in the Father's Joy. And in these three parables that we're going to be looking at, we're studying today, uh, Jesus is addressing and really challenging the Pharisees and the religious teachers on their attitude. And, of course, he wants to speak to us about our attitude also. But I believe there's another element that God has put on my heart, and I want to bring that out. Hence the title I've chosen for this, and that is Sharing in the Father's Joy. So let's begin. I don't have the slides, and that's my fault. I'm sorry to read it, but I'll read it from the New International Version here. We've already read one part of the three parables, so we'll just read the first two, starting with the first one, the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Now suppose one of you had a hundred sheep, and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors. Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety and nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. So I have a vivid imagination, and I want you to just go along with me here. I pictured this little sheep, and it's, um, it's not one of Willie's friends, but it's ancestors from way back, Rick. But I pictured this little sheep falling over a bank into some sharp rocks and thorny bushes upside down and stuck there. Now, I've heard, and you probably know this, Rick, do you, that once a sheep falls on its back, it can't get up? Anyway, if that's true, this little sheep had probably been lying there for hours. It was cut and bleeding, 
sun beating down, wool covered with dried blood, soaked in its own urine, I would think. I mean, this sheep had a really poopy diaper. (laughs) Now here comes the shepherd. After a long search and much anguish, he finds his little sheep. Do you feel his joy, his relief? And then he risks being wounded himself to rescue this one. Then he picks this sheep up, throws him on his shoulders, this dirty, stinking, wounded sheep on his shoulders and runs home, filled with joy. I found my sheep. And he brings his friends, come celebrate me. I found the sheep that was lost. From time to time, we have guests come into our midst, usually when we have a shared meal. And that's wonderful, isn't it? Just checking. (laughs) It is wonderful. I'm so thankful we're a church, a body that we can, people can come, people that are needy. Some are homeless. They haven't had a shower for days, destitute, hurting. And Jesus, through us, longs to rescue the lost sheep. All of us, probably most of us here today, were lost sheep at one time. And maybe in some areas we're still that way. Jesus looks at that one, and you know what he sees? He sees a party in heaven. Himself, all the angels, the Father, the Holy Spirit, all dancing with joy, celebrating a homecoming, just as if it happened. In fact, in Hebrews, it it kind of tells that. In Hebrews 12, it says, For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Jesus endured the suffering of crucifixion, the suffering of being beaten, separation from his father, shame and disgrace, because he saw many sons and daughters coming to salvation because of his death. That joy caused him to be able to endure the cross. I asked myself when I read this, and I did this study, do I see the joy it brings to our Father? Or do I see the hard work? Am I willing to endure and put up with some inconvenience to have a part in a rescue? Do I see with Jesus' eyes? I pray, Father, help me. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Next, we have the parable of the lost coin. Now, here's a woman who has lost something very valuable. This was no ordinary coin. And I looked up in my Bible dictionary, and it says it was probably one of ten coins that was part of her dowry. She usually, the women usually had them around their neck or on their headdress. I don't know about you, but I I really remembered the feeling of losing things. You know, maybe a wallet, a credit card, a purse leaving it somewhere, a ring, and then you found it. 
And the joy, I mean, you know, credit cards, this is a big deal. Or a purse with all your credit cards, or a wallet. So just the relief and joy you, find, you feel. <clears throat> and I've lost jewelry before, but nothing like the one I recently lost. Two silver hearts joined together on a beautiful chain. And it was a necklace that Art gave me just before we were married. And I never took it off. But one day I came home from shopping and I realized it was gone. Now I don't know what this cost him, but it was very precious to me because it was given to me by someone I loved the most. I haven't found it, but if I did, it would bring me so much joy. And speaking of lost things, I, I just have to tell this story. I hope Art will forgive me. But Art has these dentures, and he loses them. And it's kind of a love-hate relationship, you know. He needs them to eat, but then he takes them out, and he kind of looks at them and puts them down, because they hurt. And we just haven't got around to getting them dealt with, fixed. So I've been finding them in the strangest places, you know, in the bed, on the night table, on the dresser, on the table, on the Chesterfield. I've sat on them a few times. <laughs> but what, this last time, he really lost them. And he, we didn't find them for a week. I, and I decided to search the house. I'm going to find these teeth. <laughs> and I did. I found them under the <laughs> Chesterfield in the little TV room in our spare bedroom. So if you ever find these fine teeth kicking around somewhere, <laughs> they look something like this. <laughs> Just know that they're Art's teeth. <laughs> if this coin that was lost was indeed part of the woman's diary, she must have been sick with anxiety. She immediately began to look for it. Lighting a lamp and taking a broom, she searches her house diligently and she begins to sweep and you know the tile in those houses in Israel and the cracks in the tile then she hears it the familiar tinkle of the coin as her broom brushes over the track tra cracks in the tile oh the joy she found it she found this coin so she calls all her friends and neighbors to come and celebrate and again, Jesus compares this joy to the joy in heaven when one sinner repents. Now, I got thinking about this. I thought, I wonder what rejoicing in heaven looks like with billions of angels. Like, we're talking billions. I don't know how many angels. I don't know if anyone ever estimated how many, but I'm pretty sure it's a number that we can't even count. And I thought about that. 
And after studying these parables, I really decided that I want to be used by the Holy Spirit to be a part of bringing that joy in heaven. Now, wherever that happens in my life, but I want to be a part of that. I want to concentrate on that joy. The last parable which we read earlier was about a man with two sons. The youngest son asks for... Oh, I I actually forgot to read about the lost coin here, but anyway, I got carried away with Art's dentures. I was supposed to read the parable. Anyway, I told you the story, and that's about it. It's a short one. But the last parable is a long one. And this parable is about the man with two sons. And briefly, I'm just going to reiterate what the parable said and, and maybe add a couple things that might not seem to have been in there. So, two sons. The youngest son asks for his inheritance, and the father gives it to him. He leaves home and goes to a distant country where he squanders everything on riotous and wild living. A famine comes to the land, and he's hungry, so he gets a job feeding pigs. When he wants to eat pig food, he comes to his senses. And then he declares, My father's servants are eating three meals a day. And look at me. I will go back, and I'm going to beg him to hire me, because I'm not even worthy to be called a son. So he does, and the father sees him when he's a long way off. And he runs to meet him. He wraps his son in his arms and kisses him as his son tries to repent to his father. But his father is so full of joy, he barely hears him. Bring a robe and sandals and my ring and put it on him, he orders his servants. Then kill the fat calf and we are going to celebrate this. We are going to have a feast. My son... My son is home. My son that was dead is now alive. My son that was, was lost is now found. It reminds me... Now, it, um, I, I, felt, I thought about the joy here. And it seems to have increased in the level of joy from a coin and a sheep to a son. And I thought about that verse in... In the letter of John, verse 4, where it says, I have no greater joy than this, that my children walk in the truth. And as parents, isn't that the greatest joy? That your children will walk in the same way you are walking, serving God, loving God. And I think there's no greater sorrow either when they're not. This next part is where Jesus really describes the attitude of the Pharisees and teachers as he tells about the older brother. It says, When the older brother found out his father had thrown a party for his younger brother, he was furious. He stormed off, and his father went after him to try to coax him to come and join the celebration. But here's what he said. 
all these years, I've slaved for you, and not once, not once, did you even give me a goat to have a party with my friends? And yet this son of yours, who has spent all your money on prostitutes, comes home and you kill the fatted calf for him. Now one might think he has a point. That is, until the father speaks. Then the father tries to talk to him. Oh, my son, my son, don't you get it? You are my son. Everything I have is yours. But this dirty, homeless wretch you see is also my son. He was dead, and now he's alive. He was gone, he was lost, and now he's come home. And my heart is overflowing with joy. Please come and celebrate with me. But the older brother wouldn't come in. In this parable, we have two sons. One was lost, and then he was found. The other one seemed to be found, but he was lost. And I believe within this parable, there's a severe warning for us all regarding our service. Is it out of duty, or is it out of relationship with our Heavenly Father? Is it out of joy in that relationship? In the end, Jesus will say to the one who has served out of duty, Depart from me. I never knew you. And to the other, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I know this is short but I pray that God has given us some things to think about today. So I want to pray. Our Father, we bow our hearts before you. Forgive us for the times that we've been insensitive to those that are destined to become your sons and daughters. Help us enter into your joy. Help us to see the joy to see you, Lord Jesus, in the eyes of the destitute, of those that are not considered society's elite. God, would you help us as a church? Help me. Open my eyes. Open our eyes, Lord, and help us to enter into your joy. So if this message has stirred something in you and you'd like prayer, please come and take some time. Or if there's something God has put on your heart that you want to share with us today, then please come again. Steve, come. And then I'd like to ask the worship team to come back and we'll just spend some time. Thanks. Oh, thank God for this message this morning. I just uh, want to share something. If you just give me a couple minutes here. See? Yeah. Thank you. Oh, here. Oh, here it is.
See, um, what Dixie has shared is, is where I was, who I was. And God in his mercy and his kindness uh, brought me out of blindness. Uh, some of you know me when I was younger. And I went to a church here in the city. Um, I was really involved in the church. Really involved. Gave it all my time. There was one, the, the year I started courting Giselle, I was involved in renovating Sunday school rooms in one building, running a whole summer camp system, setting up a, um, a tape system. They ended up sending tapes to 73 different countries in the world. It had been a paid position. I did myself out of a job by the end of that year, and I had 15 volunteers running it. Um, I was actually about to become an elder in that church. And Giselle and I had by that time become married, and we had our first daughter. And there we were out at a place called Springcrest, a a property we owned, and uh, they were throwing a shower for us. And uh, making a decision on these three men that they were going to put in as elders. And in discussing it, one of the men said, who was an elder at the time, said, everybody seemed to be supportive of the the idea that I'd become an elder. And this one man said, uh, came to him, he and his wife were both in agreement. They said, well, and he was a prophetic guy. He says, uh, we appreciate Steve. We appreciate all the hard work he puts into the church. We appreciate all, you know, him teaching us our kids Sunday school all these years. And, but we just don't trust him. Um, he always says the right thing. He always does the right thing. But we just don't buy it. So they're really brutally honest. And uh, it just changed the tone of the whole meeting. This is a, a room full of maybe uh, 60 leaders and their wives. Or, well, about 30 leaders and their wives. And so we were, uh, so just a shock, right? My wife was there. My wife was in the next room with our, our little one, and she was furious. She was coming into the room to yell and defend me, and then the baby would break out crying. She'd have to go back in. It was just God keeping her out of the situation. Very, very hard for her. I'm going to cut this short just by saying you know, I was running, uh, doing maintenance on a, on that property at the time. And for about a month, I was just in stunned. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand what was going on. But I knew that if I was really honest inside, I wasn't really close to God. I worked very hard. I prayed. I did it a lot. As much as anybody, I think, in that church. But I wasn't really close to God at all. And one day, I was out mowing the lawn, and uh, God spoke to me. And he said, I want to talk to you. And uh, I was so bummed out by what had gone on. By the way, I didn't become an elder Point. Well, that, that's, that, it was still hanging in the air. They didn't know quite what to do about all this. But anyway, uh, God spoke to me. I want to talk to you. So I felt like the decision I made was like on a knife edge. And some of you will 
sometime rub me, uh, and we'll, some of you may be a stronger Calvinist than Armenian or whatever. I, I have a few episodes in my life where I know I was on a knife edge, whether I obeyed God and did what a fellow was asking me to do, because there's no inclination to do it. I was really bummed out. Or to obey him and do what he was telling me to do. Just like on a knife edge. And I, I thought, yeah, you're God. I guess I better at least hear what you got to say. <laughs> so we had renovated all these rooms out in Springcrest. And, and uh, I went into one of the rooms and, and I said, well, what, what do you want? And he said, uh, open that drawer. It's a funny thing to ask, open that drawer. So I went over and I opened the drawer and it was nothing in it. I said, it's empty. And he said, and so are you. And then I stopped, and I, I looked up, and I said, because uh, I realized he was talking big talk here, right? The big picture? And I said, I was realizing all these years, you know, four or five years of really giving myself to activity in the church, and I said, where does this go? And then I had a vision. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't hell, it flames, but it was outer darkness. Far from the presence of God. And I said, <laughs> I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I said, what do I do? It's just simply self-love. Self-preservation. I didn't want to go there. It wasn't because I loved God. I just didn't want to go where he was showing me this path was going. So I said, what do I do? And he said, I want you to speak the truth from your heart. So they had another meeting. It was a roundtable meeting, and all the leaders from the four different church communities came together. and came to that meeting, and there was this one guy that had been with us for a number of years. He ended up leaving after that, but... Uh, sort of second uh, under the head pastor, and he started talking. And in my spirit, I felt this thing going, this isn't right. This is garbage. (laughs) This isn't good. And in my spirit, I knew God was showing me something, that what this guy was saying wasn't right, and it was wrong for the church. It was just something wrong. So they went around to the different leaders that responded to what he had said, and they all said, yeah, yeah, it's good, yeah, yeah. And it came to me, and I said, I looked at him, and I said, you, I'm a young guy now, this is many years ago, and this is a table full of the big honchos, right? And I said, I think that's a pile of crap. <laughs> and then I went on to just share a couple ideas of why, because it was, a, it was not talking to my head, Intellectually, I was talking about what I've seen in my spirit. The guy next to me, <laughs> it was Les Shields, was sitting next to me, his jaw dropped. Like I just physically looked at look at his face, and he couldn't believe this guy was doing what I was doing. And uh, anyway, we went on through, became very uncomfortable, and all of a sudden, yada, yada. And then at the end of the meeting, I went home, 
And I got into my living room, I got on my knees, and I said, God, I, I don't know, I just did what you said to speak the truth from my heart, so I did that. And uh, this is what the Father said to me. You could have been a bit more respectful, <laughs> but I'm proud of you. You obeyed me. Now, I want you to do that the rest of your life. And by his grace, that's what I've been trying to do. And I realized at that moment, I turned a corner, and Papa and me had a relationship. And one thing I was going to do, by God's grace, the rest of my life, is never, ever, ever let anything threaten that. So the difference is, what Dixie was saying, was I was serving out a duty. Uh, it was a religious effort. Me doing something for God, instead of just realizing that was the wrong foundation. I needed to start from what God had done for me and then just grow in relationship and do what he's showing us to do. So anyway, I hope that was it. Thank you so much, Steve. Anyone else have anything they want to share? Well... If not, will anyone want prayer? Just come to the front and there'll be those that can pray with you. And let's maybe, let's close with this worship and enjoy his presence and enjoy the rest of the day. Bless you.